Good morning. We are winding down in our series. And um, I've just been thankful to see the movement of God uh, throughout this series, particularly as you look at uh, the kind of redemptive arc um, restorative arc that you see King David go on. And I'll admit, like selfishly, uh, I'm happy to see it because it means there's hope for me, right? That even in my darkest moments and the mistakes that I'll make, uh, that God is always working through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to redeem and restore me, which means if he, if he did it for David, He'll do it for me. He'll do it for you. Um, And so we don't have to allow ourselves to get lost in those dark moments. Those dark moments aren't the end. And I don't think that you can ever really hear that enough. I think no matter how many times you hear it, no matter how many times you hear God is good all the time, God is good, no matter how many times you hear God loves you, no matter how many times you hear uh, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, no matter how many times you hear the message of the glory, it's something about struggle that makes us question everything that we know about God. And so I'm thankful for the story of David uh, because it reminds me, and I mean, and, and we're not supposed to get into the business of like comparing sins and comparing stuff, right? Because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But do you every now and then like find yourself saying like, man, I, I know I've done some stuff. Ah. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe that's just me. I'm sorry, Lord. Um, <laughs> let's pray. Gracious and holy God, we just say thank you for being with us today. Um, your word is so, so rich and so full. Um, the Lord, I count it an honor to just uh, have the audacity to uh, take it and say that I'm teaching something, uh, the Lord, because we know that your word stands alone. Uh, so be with us this morning as we listen, as we share, as we hear from you, uh, the Lord. I pray that you do the editing, the copy, the cut, and the pasting, so that what remains is what you want your people to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, one of the things that I want to remind us this morning is that as we talk about redemption and restoration, that David's redemptive and restorative arc started uh, in chapter 12, verse 13, uh, when David said uh, to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin. And part of this is the reminder uh, that our restoration and our redemption starts with repentance. That our restoration and uh, restorative arc starts with repentance in our own life, repenting uh, from the things that have separated us from God. And part of the problem with us, humans, myself, humanity, is that a lot of times we want the outcome of repentance um, without the actual repentance in and of itself. We want to be restored. We want to be redeemed, but we don't actually want to repent. And I feel like we can kind of take that concept and add it to any parts of our lives. For instance, I want to be thin, but I can't turn away the frosted lemonade shakes from Chick-fil-A. I talk about them all the time. 
and I drink them more than I talk about them. And the only reason I don't have them seven days of the week is because Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. <laughs> so I have all of these goals for myself, right? And I think many of us have these goals, but it's all of these things that kind of like stand in the way of us reaching those goals. I think it's the same way with our relationship with God. We want our relationship with God to go deeper, but we struggle to study scripture. We struggle to pray as much as we should or as we could. We don't set aside the time that we should on a regular basis to spend time with him to deepen our relationships Right? We set our clocks and our DVRs for our favorite TV shows, but do we set our clocks and our uh, alarm watches to say, you know what, this, at 7 o'clock every day I'm going to pray, whether it's 5 minutes, 10 minutes. We don't put that same type of energy into God. And then when we mess up and when we make mistakes and we want to call on God for forgiveness, oftentimes we don't want to actually repent. And repenting is not just saying, I'm sorry, Right? Repentance is not just saying, like, oh, Lord, forgive me, right? And it, and it kind of reminds me, like, I don't know if kids still do this, but I remember uh, when I was a kid, when you, like, had to say something, but you didn't want to do it, you would, like, cross your fingers behind your back or something like that, which, like, got you out of it. So it's like, say you're sorry to your brother, like, all right, I'm sorry, psych, right? <laughs> like, we, we kind of do that with God, right? It's kind of like in that moment, we feel guilty, we're sad, we're ashamed. Oh, Father, forgive me, for I know not what I do. And then we, after that kind of shame is over, kind of continue in that same realm of activity. And so part of us, well, part of this understanding with David was this realization that his, his restorative arc started when he recognized that he had sinned, but he began this uh, repentance. And part of understanding true repentance is knowing that it's not just acknowledging the sinful behavior. It's also lamenting the behavior, but then it's turning away from it. So it's not just enough to apologize Part of it is understanding, like, hey, what I did was wrong. Not just because I got caught, not just because people's feelings were hurt, but legitimately understanding that this action, this thing that I was doing, this thing that was separating me from God is actually not of God's will for my life or for the people who are being hurt by those things. And then turning away from that behavior. And so when I think about redemption, there's two things I want to define. So redemption and then restore. By definition, redemption, uh, it says to compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something. To compensate for the faults or bad aspects or something. Or to do something that compensates for poor past performance or behavior. Keep that in mind. And then the definition of restoration or to restore means to return someone or something to a former condition, place, or position. When we get deeper into the verses today, we will see that there was some redeeming and some restoring happening with our king, with King David today. And one of the things that I'm most excited about in this text is that we get to see the priorities of a healthy, redeemed, and restored king. In the beginning of David's redemptive arc was his repentance the next phase of that arc was David remembering who God was. We see, we remember earlier that David remembered God. And when he remembered God and who God was, it began to change his actions. But that wasn't the only thing that David remembered. 
because part of the things that we overlook as we think about, especially in the last chapter when David uh, was crying and fasting on behalf of his, his child, his child who had died, one of the things that we have forgotten to talk about was if David was sad and if David was lamenting, if David was lamenting this lost child, what do you think Bathsheba was doing? We, we, had, we, we focused so much energy on David's sadness and David's fasting and David's uh, uh, desperation. I don't know any mother that could lose a child. So not, so not only has she lost her husband, right? That was still fresh. And now she's lost a child. And now her husband, David, is all but absent. And so as David has repented and David has remembered God, what you see in verses 24 and 25 is simple. It says, then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her and she bore a son and he called his name Solomon and the Lord loved him. Sent a message by Nathan, the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. David remembered to prioritize his wife. David had prioritized God, and now he was prioritizing his wife and his family. His wife who had been alone, who had lost a husband, who had lost a child. She, she needed David, her friend. She needed David, her husband. She needed David, her companion, her, her intimate partner, who up until this point, had not been paying her any attention. And part of the problem when we are unhealthy is that we forget about the other people that God has called us to. That sometimes in our worst moments, we forget that not only are we not going through this alone because God is with us, but oftentimes we are not alone in the pain and the sadness and we get lost in our own stuff. And we can forget that there are people around us who are counting on us to live into the roles that God has called us to. And this role of husband that David had was so important before this moment he had forgotten to be a husband. And his wife was hurting. And we see in scripture that after he had repented and had had turned away and he had remembered who God was, he had gone through this period of fasting, that he also remembered that there was a wife in the palace who needed some attention and some comforting. I don't know about you, but can you resonate with that sometimes like stuff just just seems to be going so bad that we that we forget that other people have pain too. I shared with you all last week just some of the struggle that me and my wife had earlier on as it pertains to, to childbearing. And I remember one of those moments, and, and, the th- and the thing about God and our spouses, like I know a lot of people in this room are married. And it, and it is just funny how sometimes like our spouses can just, can just call us out when we kind of get a little bit too like hung up on ourselves. And, and and I remember this one particular day when I when I was just soaking and I I, I was soaking and and, I, and Brandy asked me to do something like take out it was something simple like take out the garbage and I kind of snapped at her like listen I'm I'm hurting I'm in pain and she said well Leslie I'm in pain too and it was and it was that simple response that reminded me that not only had I lost but so had she. 
And I didn't even know it's okay to grieve and it's okay to be in pain. What's not okay is for me to soak in my pain so long that I neglect the responsibilities that God has given me. And so David had this this moment of clarity where he remembered, hey, I'm a husband. I have a wife that I need to care for. And, and, and one of the things that we see in this continued return to health and return to maturity for David is him starting to look beyond not just himself. He, he had fasted for the son, but he started to realize and return to the places of responsibility that God had called him to. The second thing we see is this. Is that the birth of Solomon was a redeeming moment because it was a sign that the punishment from past behavior was not permanent. That, that, that the punishment that they suffered, the loss that they suffered, was not a permanent state of their relationship with God going forward. That, 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 that David repenting and turning away from those actions and from that sin was God seeing that he could trust David again. And so this redeeming act for David was this birth of his son Solomon. But the thing to remember is that Solomon was not a replacement. Some things you lose can never be replaced. This wasn't a one-for-one trade-off. This wasn't, here Solomon, now forget about what you lost before. No, Solomon was a sign that I am still with you. Solomon was a sign that our renewed relationship can continue going forward. See, David returned back to his responsibilities, and God rewarded him for it. It didn't replace the past. It just helped them move forward. I told you a couple weeks ago about a story when I was young about this dastardly thing that I did that I then lied to my mom about. And my mom, very wisely knowing the entire time that I had done this thing that I thought I so effortlessly covered up and got away with, in this very real moment, called me out and told me that she already knew. Now my mom, who was this short powerful woman. Um, I know some of us come from different like uh, parenting backgrounds. In my household, we got whoopings. We didn't get spankings. We got whoopings. I'm too old to report her to uh, CPS at this point, but we got, we got, I got the real deal. That was her normal mode. This particular day that she didn't do it. She just told me that I had lost her trust. And that was probably one of the most painful moments of my childhood on my relationship with my mom. And over years and years and years of being honest, probably painfully so at some point, because I remember at one point she told me, like, you know what? I actually don't want you to tell me. Just keep it. Uh, that trust was restored. But it took time. And we now enjoy this amazing relationship that I wouldn't trade in for the world. And I think we see that with David, that as he, as he turned over his, this, this new leaf, as he repented, that he was enjoying this newfound relationship with God. And part of our health starts with 
remembering to prioritize the thing that God called us to. The next thing is this. If you look at verse 26 through 29, it says, Now Joab fought against Rabbah of the Ammonites and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah. Moreover, I have taken the cities of water. Uh, in the NIV, it says capital cities. In the ESV, it says cities of water. Now then, gather together the rest of the people and camp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called by my name. So David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah and fought against it and took it. One of the next things that we see is David responding to accountability. Joab, if you remember, was still fighting this war. This, this war that, that David had sent him to lead as he was hanging out in the palace. Remember all the way back at the beginning of the chapter where he should have been out? But he decided to hang back and got himself in some trouble. Joab was still fighting this war, so it was very likely they were still fighting the battle in which Uriah had died. Joab, this, this faithful, strategic military leader, has now gotten to the crux of the battle. It says that he had captured, he was close to capturing the wall, he had captured the water city. Well, why is this significant? Because who can live without a water supply? So they had gotten to the point in the battle where the water supply was cut off, which means that victory was imminent. And Joab decides to send word back to David and say, listen, listen, homie, listen, listen, uh, king, sir. (laughs) This battle was imminent. So we can do one or two things. You can get yourself out here. And lead the army like you should. Or I can go and finish this battle off. But what will happen is they'll be singing my praises and not yours. See, Joab was giving David one last opportunity to do what? To restore his reputation as king. Because sometimes when we get lost in our stuff, we let other people handle our business. And there's always, I believe, a point of no return where it's hard (coughs) to come back from. They were at this point. So David had already been redeemed in his relationship with God and began to work on restoring his relationship with his wife. But David was also called to be king. And the king was called to be at the forefront of the battle with his soldiers. He was called to be a leader. And he had been passing the buck for so long. And part of our problem is that when we're going through stuff, we like to pass the buck. But there comes a point where we need to pick up the mantle that God has given us and lean into the people that God has called us to be. And so Joab was saying, listen, I could go ahead and finish this battle. But when they start singing my praises... You will have lost the respect that comes with being king. Do you want that to happen? It's time for you to get up, dust yourself off, to stop all of this sinness that you've been doing, and come be the king that God has called you to be. Brothers and sisters, part of our restorative arc is being able to say, listen, Yes, I messed up, but that doesn't define me. 
Yes, I made mistakes, but that's not ultimately who I am. Yes, I've strayed off the course, but that's not who it is that's going to define the rest of my story because I am coming back to the place that God has called me to be the person that God has called me to be. I slipped up, but I'm standing up. I fell, but I got up. I messed up, but now I'm cleaned up and I have been restored. David has this opportunity to restore his reputation as king and many of us day after day through the power of the Holy Spirit and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ have the opportunity to be restored to the places that God has called us to. And so David responds to this accountability that he's being called on by saying, listen, it's now or never, David. It's now or never. And for many of us, it's now or never. To stop wallowing in the guilt and the shame of our past mistakes and to stand up and own what it is God has called us to be. Obviously, David got the message because it says that he, he, he gathered up all the people and went to Rabbi and fought against it and took it. This sounds like the David I knew. Because scripture will tell you that they, they sang songs that said, well, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. David was a good military leader. David knew how to win a battle. And it says that he, he went on to take the rest of the Ammonite cities. It says that he took the crown. So it says, so David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbi and fought against it and took it. And he took the crown of their king from his head. The weight of it was a talent of gold, and in it was a precious stone, and it was placed on David's head. And he brought out the spoil of the city, a very great amount. And he brought out the people who were in it and set them to labor with saws and iron, picks and axes, and made them toil at the brick kilns. And thus he did to all the cities of the Ammonites. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. David had prioritized the care for his wife. He had responded to the accountability that God had placed before him. And now David was prioritizing his call as king. He takes his rightful place on the battlefield. We see that Joab's skill set had gotten him this far. But it was David's leadership as king that took them the rest of the way. See, see, see here's the thing that's so important about us being emotionally mature and healthy. Because God has called us to a specific place for a specific time for a specific reason. And nobody can do the thing that God called you to do the way that God calls you to do it. No, nobody can parent my kids the way that God has called me to parent my kids. Yes, there are uh, heavenly uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who can care for them when I'm slipping up or when I'm not there. But nothing can replace the thing that God put in me to care for them. No, nothing can replace the, the, the teacher that God has called you to be. 
Nothing can replace the worship director and worship pastor that God has called you to be. Nobody can do what God has called you to do for the place that he has called you to. There may be temporary fixes, but ultimately God calls you there for a specific reason. And so when you're not in place, something that God intended to happen isn't happening. Does that make sense? So yes, scripture says the rocks will cry out, but a rock can't praise God the way that I can praise God. A rock can't serve God the way that I can serve. And so David was finally living into the call that God had given him. And he was the king that God had called him to be. When David was at his best, he was a, he was a talented worshiper. Nobody could write psalms and songs like David could. When David was at his best, he was a man chasing after the glory of God. He was a man after God's own heart. He was a mighty king who struck fear in the hearts of his enemies and the enemies of the Lord. David, at his best, brought glory to the name of the Lord. At your best, what do people say about you? More importantly, at your best, what is God saying about you and the life that you live? Is he saying, well done, my good and faithful servant? Is your life bringing the glory to God that he intended? A sign of both emotional and spiritual health is when we begin to see tangible evidence of an alignment between our priorities in God's will. The, the, the completion of this ark was that David was, was no longer chasing the things that he wanted. He was, he was no longer chasing after his own priorities, but he had realigned himself with God and his directives became the things that God had called him to. And at our best, we do the same thing. Because there are moments when we are faced with the responsibilities of the call that God has on our life, whether it's the call to be husband and spouses, whether it's the call to singleness, whether it's the call to parenthood, whether it's the call to preach, teach, whether it's the call to serve in our communities, that we get weary, that we get tired, that the way that God is asking us to go seems tough and rough, like maybe we should do something different. And it's in those moments where we can get ourselves in trouble because if God called us to it, say in my old church, he'll bring us through it. David had returned to this healthy place in his relationship with God, so much so that his priorities, what he was chasing, was what God had for him. Are you chasing God's priorities? Are the things that God cares about the things that you care about? Are you in, are you in a fight between your will and God's will? Because I promise you, you'll lose. David was on the losing end of a battle between his will and God's will. But we serve a God who redeems We serve a God who 
who restores. Amen.